Welcome to Technado. Welcome to another episode of Technado. I'm Sophie Goodwin, one of your hosts for the show. And before we get started, I just want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of the show, ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. You can use that promo code Technado30 for a discount on your IT Pro membership. Like I said, I'm Sophie, and I am not alone here. To my left, I have Mr. Don Pizzette. Don, how are you? I am doing great. You know, starting to head into the winter months, which is nice. Uh, as far mm-hmm. as not being baked alive every <laughs> single day. But in the technology world, we got a couple of cool articles today because there's stuff that's coming out early, which almost never happens, and uh, a few cybersecurity events to help us remember why working in IT is so rewarding. <laughs> that's a word. That's a word for it. But you're right. Anytime it's below like 90 degrees here, I'm like, it's it's winter. It's cold out. I'll start wearing sweaters and stuff, cosplaying like it's fall. And, uh, and over on the far side of the desk, uh, Daniel Lowry. Daniel, are you enjoying this, this oh, cold weather as well? It is an absolute treat to not sweat through my shirt from the door of the building to my car, <laughs> which that is not hyperbole. <laughs> that, that is, is reality. true fact of Florida. So, yes, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Thank you. It's the, that's the price you pay for living here. It really is. It is <laughs> no, a high, steep price. No sales tax, but you got to sweat through your shirt. That's oh, just man. the way that it is. <laughs> well, we'll move on from, uh, from the meteorology discussion, and we'll get into this week's technology news. We're going to start with some news on the Apple side of things. This comes to us from Ars Technica. It says, Mac OS 14 Sonoma will release on September 26th, weeks earlier than usual. So it's the first time that a Mac OS update has released in September in, I think, five years, since 2018, because I guess usually the iOS update comes out, and then Mac users usually got to wait like a month for their, for their updates. I personally am not a Mac user, so I did not know that, but, but now I know. Congratulations, Mac users. And knowing is half the battle. That is true. G.I. <laughs> Joe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so this is this is important to us in IT for a few reasons. Not because it's new OS. It actually doesn't have that many new shiny features that we can get super excited about. But uh, for our end users, if you have a non-managed Mac environment, which a lot of people do, a lot of people deploy Macs and they just rely on iCloud and that's it. That means your end users can upgrade their systems whenever they want. And this one's coming fast. So <laughs> so if you have not already vetted your software and so on, this is a chance for you to, to jump in. Remember that Apple opened up their betas, so you can actually access Sonoma right now uh, and, and test it out in your environment. I will say, though, that if you don't have managed systems for your Mac, you probably should. <laughs> you should control when people get these updates so that when Apple just decides willy-nilly to go ahead and... I don't, I don't know what willy-nilly actually means. I shouldn't have said that. But, <laughs> yeah, that is uh, a weird <laughs> phrase, isn't it? We just take it for granted nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what that really means? Who is willy and but, nilly? And how do they become so We're in the workplace, in okay? It's, it's William Nilliam. Oh, we are in the you, workplace. Right. Right. That's right. Maybe Be they were like famous lip syncers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, uh, when Apple makes a decision to do an early release like this, it won't impact you because you can control it. And you can say, all right, we will hold this upgrade until a certain point. So there are tons of MD services that are out there to let you manage that. Uh, now, I did say that there weren't a lot of fancy features, so um, I, I sifted through all the release notes and stuff so you wouldn't have to. And there were really only two features that I could see that impacted an IT environment. Uh, the first is better screen sharing support. So I don't know if you any, any of you listeners out there remember the Apple remote desktop utility. Uh, it was about $80 in the app store and you could buy it, but it, it worked really well for being able to view the screens of a ton of computers. So if you worked at a university or a high school and you wanted to, say, view the screens of 20 Macs in a lab, Remote Desktop would let you do that. It's not related to Microsoft's Remote Desktop Protocol or RDP. This is completely separate. So they just called it Remote Desktop. Well, now 
Apple is replacing the built-in screen share, which used to just be VNC, now is being replaced with remote desktop, and you don't have to buy an $80 app if you just want to screen share a single system. If you want to manage multiple systems, you still have to buy a remote desktop, and it's still out there. Uh, the other thing is they're improving the password manager, so they're continuing to add features there. You can actually create groups of passwords now and share them with other people, so it's becoming almost like a real password manager, right? You know, mm -hmm. when it was... Locked to your keychain, it was only suitable for individuals. Now it's starting to get some businessy type features, which makes us think like down the road, Apple might be entering that password manager market. I guess if you live in that Apple ecosphere, that's that's a nice way to go because then everything's within you know that sphere of control. Yeah, that's always nice to have. Uh, I like password managers, man. I'm just a big fan of that. I love. You know, Sophie was talking about how she was getting these prompts about you know her her teams and, and her Microsoft account, so she just changed her password. She didn't even care. <laughs> right. And yeah. I I literally did this yesterday because I was had a new I had a new I spun up a new machine. I didn't need to log into Teams. So I was like, I don't care. Just get my Bitwarden up here, and everything's changed. I don't care. I don't even know what my passwords are anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I can use the generator, and I'm done. Yeah. I'm good to go. This has become such a low stress activity anymore. I'm like, yep, password change, no problem. Go I for it. <laughs> I've caught myself looking at those passwords before and going, "Ooh, that was sucked to type." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they just they just make our lives so much easier now. So it's yeah. just nice to keep start seeing that as like something that we consider just normal at this point. I, th I think that's something that we consider normal at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I I don't know that I'd be willing to go in on Apple just because it's so locked in. Like, right. I, I I don't know. If there's any way you can use Apple's password manager on a Windows machine. Yeah, for that, that, that's a great point. Like if. If I'm because I, I use Linux, I use Windows, I use Mac, I use all three. Mm -hmm. So how do I if if I wanted to just be in that Mac world, I want to use that Apple um, password manager. How would I then translate that to other devices? Yep. So right now you'd have to go all in. Right. But I I wouldn't be surprised to see down the road if they start releasing this you know with support like for other devices. Yeah. 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 You think yeah I, does Microsoft have one? They have like a password manager that they use. Yeah. Well, I mean they have their Authenticator app, right? Which you can. Well, no, that won't do passwords, will it? Yeah. No, I'm surprised. I don't think they do. Yeah. They usually jump on in like everything that everybody else is doing. Well, <clears throat> we're going to hear about Microsoft a little bit later. And so maybe they decided they're just not uh, ready to take <laughs> on that responsibility. Not up, to, up to the task. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I did look up willy nilly. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like a, um, it, it doesn't come from anything. It's not standing for anything. It's just a whimsical phrase All right. meant to add some humor to something that means haphazardly. And it's not related to Millie Vanilli at all? No, 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 no. Huh. no. Huh. That's a sad story, by the way. It certainly is. Like, <laughs> that is a sad story. Watch the behind the music on <laughs> Millie I've not Vanilli. Seen that. Yeah. So apparently you can use the Authenticator app as a password manager. I did can not you? know that. It, okay. it gives you the option to. If you're already using it for a two-factor and stuff like that, you can... Uh, you can export your passwords from whatever you're using, Bitwarden or Google or whatever. And, and but put it them begs in there. the question still like, okay, that's cool. And maybe if I'm like totally marked out for Microsoft, or right. I'm totally marked out for Apple, that I would use that. But in real life, I mean, we all kind of like bounce around different ecosystems. I, th I think even the average person might even be doing it at this point. A browser based third party just seems like the better way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, although I, I'll say like I use, so. Well, look, look at our day job, yeah. right? We've got Bitwarden yeah. or our, our corporate passwords. But I have dual factor on my Bitwarden login, yeah. and it's my Microsoft Authenticator app that I use for that. So I end up using two password, sort of, password managers. Yeah. One's really just that Authenticator app, though. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely like, you know, Google and Microsoft Edge have options for password managers. I know that's that's definitely still easier than using one that's, for instance, like Apple's password manager, because like yeah. you guys were saying, that's exclusive to Apple. And so you're kind of screwed if you're using Windows. So browser based ones are, are great. But I th- I definitely think that like like Bitwarden it has the app Bitwarden I can use in any browser. So I don't yeah. have to worry about like if I decide tomorrow, I don't like Google Chrome anymore. I want to switch to Edge or Firefox. Right. I don't have to worry about porting stuff over. I can just log into Bitwarden. I guess browser based is a bad way of putting it. It's more like a cloud service. Sure. Like, okay, think yeah. of it as a cloud service. And it doesn't matter whether I'm using the app or a browser plugin. Yeah. I have access to no matter where I am. I can, you know, I'm sound like I'm chilling for Bitwarden. Yeah. <laughs> we have a Bitwarden Listen, t-shirt. Are you we'll tired it of it? Yeah, I got to throw my Bitwarden swag on. All of a sudden a hat shows up. I got a pair of Bitwarden shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it looks uh, like people only do stuff because they get paid. And that's just sad. <laughs> I, you know, if we want fair and balanced, though, like I, I do prefer 1Password to Bitwarden. Yeah, that's right. You, uh, you're a big fan of that. Right? Yeah, so, but... You know, I use one password for my personal and Bitwarden for my work. So, like, you can you can choose more than one if you want. I know Sophia mm-hmm. loves LastPass. My fave. What? My fave. <laughs> it's like Caleb's still drinking out of that cup, the LastPass cup <laughs> that really? we got from yeah. the – that's his go-to now. So I thought that was for – we're supporting them in whatever way we can. We know it's a tough time for them. <gasps> yeah. We're just not using their product. Yeah. So they got a long that. road to hoe to get they, that trust back, they don't do. they? Yeah. They do. Yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be fun for them. We'll go ahead and move on. I, I hate to rag on them too much. <laughs> We finally got out of that where we had articles about LastPass every week. So <laughs> so we'll, we'll move on. Uh, this next article is a little bit more about uh, hardware. This comes to us from Tom's Hardware. Shocker. It says Thunderbolt 5 debuts 120 gigabit, gigabit right? I it always, is gigabit. I, yep. it's, I'm tired. Gigabit per second <laughs> speed is three times faster than previous gen. And when Dom was going over these articles with us, he said debuts, and I <laughs> forgot that debuts was a word for a second. So, so that was that was going to be a fun, uh, a fun article intro. So, so yeah, so this is a uh, it's a lot faster, I guess, than the previous generation, and faster is generally good, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unless I think you're talking about beatings. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the beatings happen faster here. It's over quicker, yeah. Well, no, I, I mean the frequency. That. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think it is an expectation that when a new iteration of this stuff comes out that it should be faster or have more bandwidth, it should be able to run, uh, do all the things the $6 million man could do. Uh, in this case, it delivers on that. But there is one thing aside from the speed and all that that I want to highlight that gets kind of glossed over. It gets glossed over in the Tom's Hardware article, but in some other things. When Thunder... When Thunderbolt first came out, uh, a lot of people thought it was a Mac technology. Like, this is an Apple thing. But it wasn't. It was just Apple was the only company willing to pay for it. It was an Intel proprietary technology, and Intel was charging $1 per port for you to have a port that was Thunderbolt-capable on your system. Well, Apple said, okay, well, $2 is a system, and we'll add two ports to our laptops, and now our customers get fast ports. But other people like Gigabyte and Asus and stuff said, screw that, $2 per system. And, you know, we generate hundreds of thousands of systems. We're not going to pay all that to Intel. And so they didn't adopt it. Well, that held Thunderbolt back for years and years and years. And then when you get to today, USB-C and Thunderbolt are very close, right? So Thunderbolt's lost a bit of its edge, still really fast, and still has some some features that make it more attractive than, than standard USB-C. Uh, but... Intel has actually donated the spec to the the uh, the USB IF standards committee, so they've they've really? donated it. So that cost of one dollar per port on a system is gone. So anybody can adopt uh, 
thunder. I keep wanting to say firewire. I'm going to stop <laughs> yeah. every time I have to stop myself from saying firewire. Yeah, that's not a thing anymore, Don. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so now anytime Asus or somebody wants to add a Thunderbolt port to their system, they can do it without that licensing fee. Mm. And that's a big deal. And so that means that we're going to start seeing more systems adopt Thunderbolt. And where it really shines, it's fast, right? And that helps with storage. But where it really shines is when you get to high-density monitors, like 8K monitors, it, it does a phenomenal job. If you want to have more than one monitor running off a single cable, that's hard to do with USB-C. Mm. But with Thunderbolt, it can do it. Uh, and with Thunderbolt 5, it's going to be able to do it really, really fast. So it's, uh, it's neat the way that it works. It's got these lanes of traffic inside of it. And if you've ever been to, like, Seattle or Atlanta where they have express lanes that go in one direction in the morning and at night they go in the other direction. So during rush hour, they help people get into town or out of town at the right times. That's how Thunderbolt 5 works is mm. you could have three lanes downloading and one lane uploading if if you were doing heavy downloads or the other way around if you're doing heavy uploads. So it's like a smart feature, right? Like it has some technology inside of it that goes, hey, it looks like they're wanting to download more or it looks like they're trying to upload something more. Now for, so engage the logic yeah. gates. And think about what you're using on USB. I mean, well, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, if you're connecting to a monitor, that's entirely an output. You're right. uploading to the monitor. If you got an external hard drive, you're normally reading from that. Yep. So it can it can be flexible. Um, but yeah, I, I can't help it when you when you say like, so it's a smart thing. I'm like, it's a smart bug. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Frankly, madam, <laughs> the idea of a bug that thinks offensive. Uh, can't go without a Starship Troopers reference. No, no, That's no. important. I love that. I wish I understood. Would you like to know more? Should I add that to the, should I add that to the list? Starship Troopers is like, it was a it was like a novel or something, right? Yeah. 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 And then they made a movie out of it, which was not quite. No, it didn't line yeah, up they, with the book they, very they well. They never no. follow the books like they should. But um, it was very it was campy, still an entertaining flick, though. It's got Neil Patrick Harris. I was just so going to say, Neil Patrick you, Harris. You can't go yeah. wrong with Neil Patrick Harris and Jeremy. Uh, it made his uh, career. Or, uh, Michael Ironsides. <laughs> it made his career. You know, actually, you say that, that was kind of like when he he had started to get back into acting at that point. And I think it wasn't too long after that he did Harold Kumar. Harold Kumar is what was really like, brought him back. Yeah. 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 When people are like, wait, mm. this guy has a sense of humor. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. really funny. Yeah. Mm. He might have been funnier than Harold and Kuma. <laughs> and and Casper Van Diem, right? I mean, his career oh, skyrocketed man. afterwards. Yeah. Did it? Okay. I believe no, you. No. That okay. was, that so was kind of like the last me. good thing he did. Okay. I, I didn't know the name, but that for me, if I don't know the name of an actor, that could just be because I was born no, too late. No, so no. Casper Van Diem <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Was, was killing it for a while. And then all and of he was sudden, gone. He, yeah. He just. So you're saying. Starship Troopers sent his career in the pooper, is what you're saying. I don't know if it, if it did that, because I don't think that would have been the thing that killed his career. It's probably some dumb decision after that. Ah, okay. I see. You said Starship Troopers, and I was thinking Super Trooper, and to that's a different thing. Oh, uh, different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally different thing. thing. I am all that that's is mad. <laughs> you know what it's like when these boys get the syrup in them? <laughs> Speaking of movies, when you guys were talking about when you said Thunderbolt Five and oh, it's faster and it's better, all I could think of was like it sounds like the blockbuster flick of the summer, like Thunderbolt Five <laughs> coming to a theater near you. Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Five thousand. <laughs> Your data versus the Russians. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> Your data versus the Russians. <laughs> that, that's it's our not life. far <laughs> off from the the plot of a real live thing. <clears throat> Well, yeah, that's what I thought of because I wasn't familiar with Thunderbolt 5 until you guys were talking about it. So that's kind of what popped into my head. Thank you for humoring me. Appreciate that. Thunderbolt 5, too fast, too furious. But yeah, it's faster. Faster generally means better. 
When can we cool. expect Thunderbolt 5 in theaters, Don? <laughs> good question. <laughs> it's going to be a summer temp poll for next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Okay, good to know. So, yeah, keep keep an eye on your on your local cinemas for yeah, that one. For, it's all Thunderbolt 5. just watch Tom's Hardware for more updates, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we'll go ahead and move on from that, from the Thunderbolt 5 news. Uh, this is going to be switching us into the realm of cloud. Uh, we got this from Slashdot. It says, Google extends lifespan of Chromebooks with 10-year update policy. So they're pushing back that expiration date of Chromebooks. And I guess I, I totally forgot about this, but Chromes are, Chromebooks are used so much in schools that I can see why maybe people would start to get concerned like if we're relying on these for a lot of the work the students are doing and there's kind of an expiration date on that. Yikes. Yeah, you know, th so there are a lot of big corporations right now that I'm saying right now, this has probably been true for a long time, that are mm. doing some really shady business practices and consumers are getting burned left and right and people are getting kind of fed up with it. Uh, and there was a whole debacle this week about the Unity 3D engine changing their license. Mm. There was a huge revolt. And uh, this kind of thing keeps happening over and over and over again. Well, Google had a minor uh, incident like this several years ago when they announced their auto update expiration policy. So when Chromebooks first came out, they were super attractive to schools. Schools loved it that for $300, you could get a laptop that did everything that a student needed to do and was built to pretty high standards. And the parts were inexpensive, so they were easy to maintain. If you broke a screen, it wasn't such a big deal. Uh, a number of vendors started manufacturing them. HP, Dell, Asus, they all had Chromebooks that were out there. Uh, and Google was actually selling their own, which I think were actually manufactured by Asus, but branded as, as Google. Uh, so. A lot of options, a lot of schools adopted them. And the best thing about them was they didn't take a lot to update because they really were just like the Chrome browser on a stripped down version of Linux. And so they would automatically update and things were great. And then Google came out with this auto update expiration. They said, you know what? Whether the laptop still works or not, we're going to expire the device at a certain time. And when that happens, you'll no longer be able to get updates. And we'll turn off some of our room management stuff for it too. So uh, there's that. I'm I'm sure they didn't do that for you know because they wanted you to go buy another one. It was it was for you know legitimate purposes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they then legitimately schools, wanted more profits. Schools start looking at this and they're like, wait a minute. So there's a scenario where I could have a perfectly functional device, and you've shut off security updates. So now it's not secure. I can't have that in my environment you've effectively just arbitrarily killed off this device and created e-waste. Because it's not like you mm -hmm. can even resell it. Like, it's no longer a supported device. It's no longer getting updates. It It's dead in the water. Uh, and a lot of people were upset about that. But Google somehow managed to fight that off for a while until now. And it was really the e-waste argument that pushed this hard is Google is trying to be an environmentally friendly company. I don't understand the whole thing with carbon credits and all that, but they buy the hell out of them. And so, you know, they, they, they try and, and, and do that. Uh, but then to just be expiring these devices in such a short period of time seemed unfair. And so they have decided to change that policy and they've moved it to 10 years now. So when you get a Chromebook, and this is not from the date you purchase it, it's from the date they started manufacturing on it. That was the real problem was some people would buy one that had been manufactured for years and would only have like two years of life left on it. And then it would expire. Well, now they're saying from the date manufacturer starts on a model, they'll support it for 10 years. And I, I think that's a pretty 
pretty That's reasonable, reasonable number. Yeah. yeah. So if you're buying like used Chromebooks that are six or seven years old, you, you still have some support window in there. And the odds of one of these things lasting 10 years anyway is pretty low. Yeah, we, we see like uh, laptops, like expensive laptops come back into our building from people that have left the company oh, yeah. or, you know, the uh, warranty is about to expire. So we uh, upgrade them to a new machine. And I don't know if y'all know this, but people act like laptops owe them money. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying to get it out of them. I do not understand how people treat their device. You know, the, the Macs are the worst. Uh, it's so bad. It's not the Mac's fault. It's the right. user's it's fault. It's the user's fault. They've got the aluminum case. And these yeah. systems will come back with dents in them. Yeah. <laughs> like, how like, did what, you what dent you this playing? thing? Frisbee with your dog with this? What <laughs> is going on? And eight pounds of stickers. Yeah. So hey, please. Earl, I need something to... Uh, <laughs> pry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, somebody's guilty of that one. <laughs> I'll get them off, I promise. I'll take them off eventually. Well, at least it's not you don't have to take them off case. now. You have to take them That's off when true. you're fired. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so I got two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's about how long it'll take you. <laughs> it, yeah, no kidding. That's going to be that's gonna be filling my time here. Yeah, but you're right. It's not the, um, it's not the aluminum, so maybe it'll be... Easier for me. Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't take yeah. damages easier. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, it's it remains to be like seen. Bonded to the coating on the outside of that laptop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've been with me for a long time. I they tried mean to a take lot. the sticker off and it just peeled the case open. <laughs> <laughs> we had that happen. Um, I don't want to disparage. Well, I kind of do want to disparage. Yeah, go for it. System 76. Like, oh, yeah. The laptops are made out of tissue paper. They really are. <laughs> so like, good. They would break so bad. Yeah. Yep. System I mean, 76, you said? Yeah. yeah. They would still run, but they are just like, <laughs> they, they, they looked make, like they were road hard and put away wet. Man, it was like hmm. really yeah. rough. They make laptops that are tailored designed to run Linux. Uh, they're actually just off-the-shelf laptops that they've made sure there's Linux drivers <laughs> for everything. Uh, that they stuck Fan 5000 in. It's like, yeah. like, if you want your laptop to levitate, you get yourself a <laughs> System 76. Yeah. There's no doubt. If you ever like walk out of a room... And you think, did I leave my computer on? If it's a System 76, you know. There's no doubt. <laughs> you yeah. can hear the fan. You just hear that fan. <laughs> Whirring away. <laughs> Everything that's coming up is that it's bad. Yeah. Huge disappointment with System 76. System 76 is a huge scam. Okay. Well, uh, that, they're not a scam. scam. Yeah. yeah they, well, that's Reddit. So it's, you get to okay. a grain of yeah, salt. Yeah. yeah. So let, let me, I feel like we need to defend the brand a little bit. They, <laughs> they actually do a really good job of picking hardware that there are absolutely Linux drivers right. for, right? You can take any System 76 device and throw Ubuntu on it. And a hundred percent of the hardware will work out of the box. And their prices were reasonable as well. Like um, we spent like yeah. for what we got for our system seventy six versus the MacBook Pros. Oh, definitely we compared were to a Mac. Yep. It was like half the price. It yep. was crazy. Hmm. And we were getting more hardware out of it. So same gen uh processor, but like I think mine had thirty two gigs of RAM in it and it cost us fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, Maybe it, it depended on you, you. You could push it up higher on some yeah. of them, but you one know. terabyte drives, NVMEs. It was it was like yeah. it was a nice system, other than if you dropped it at all, like <laughs> it shattered. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that the stickers don't cooperate well with System yes. Seventy Six. That's the main the main issue. It's not sticker friendly. It's Linux and friendly, not what, sticker friendly. What is a laptop if not a vessel for stickers? What's yeah, the point? Apparently. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. that's a well, anyway, some people have. That has nothing to do with Chromebooks. Sorry, I got distracted. Yeah, we have drifted. All the Chromebooks run Linux, so it's... Yeah, yeah. they do. Oh, there, there we go. go. All comes back the, around. That's the six, degrees of, six yeah. degrees of separation there. Well, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, take a break really quick now that we've finished this riveting discussion about laptop stickers. Uh, but we'll be back in the second half of Technado with more security news, so don't go away.
Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back for more TechNATO. Going to be getting into some security news here in just a second. Just want to remind y'all, if you're watching from YouTube and you like this video, go ahead and toss a like and feel free to comment below. Let us know what you liked about what we've covered so far. We'll go ahead and jump into the security news because that's my favorite part of the show and, and I just am so excited. And we've got our first segment, which is my favorite segment. Let's see if I can do this. Don't! Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, so, do. Don't! You never tell if that's a positive or negative reaction. It so, it's so punctuated. I gotta, you gotta get it's gotta up. be yeah. drawn out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll have a sec. I'll have a second chance to do it Start in a little bit because <laughs> we've fired. we've got a double dough today, oh, a dodo, you, you if got, you will. You yes, got a second chance. So we, so we will start with this one from the Hacker News. It says Microsoft AI researchers accidentally expose thirty eight terabytes of <laughs> confidential data. Now I, I'm a little behind on on the, the sizes of data as we covered last week with the. Yodibyte or Gotibyte or Yodibyte or whatever Yoda it's called. Yoda yeah, Yodibyte. Yeah, whatever, whatever it was. The Teflon Don <laughs> the, bite. <laughs> you come in here on the day on the yeah. day of my software update. So, so uh, you do not call me 30, Godfather. <laughs> but thirty-eight terabytes. That's maybe comparatively, it's not anymore. But that seems like a lot. It's a lot, okay. right? Uh, and so, just to put it into a normal something we can kind of measure. Uh, I think you're. Your average decent laptop today probably has a one terabyte hard drive in it. So this is 38 laptops worth of data. Uh, your average SQL database is <clears throat> probably between like one and two terabytes, depending on the, the type of data, but your, your average stuff this is pretty small. literally had two laptop <laughs> yeah, <it did. laughs> backups in it, like full backups. And that's the, the I mean, the whole thing's embarrassing for Microsoft, yeah. right? But the fact that the types of data that were leaked out and it all came down to permissions. Now we hear all the time about companies that have Amazon S3 buckets that they they thought like, oh, the name will hide it. I don't need to create any real security. We'll just leave it wide open. The public can access the whole S3 bucket. Who's going to find it? <laughs> and then, you know, Shodan and all these other different systems come in and find it. And, and here it is. And all the data gets leaked out. So that happens all the time. And we hear about Amazon S3. Well, this time it is the Azure blob storage equivalent of that. So one of Microsoft's AI researchers was using blob storage in, in Azure, and they had the permissions configured wrongly for something. And in a public GitHub repository, they posted some links so that you could go and download some information on some of their AI models, right? I, I think you actually download the models themselves. And they were just linking to two files. But once researchers followed those links, they found like, wait a minute, yeah, these link into some blob storage and... I technically have access to the entire blob and not just read access, read write access to the entire stinking blob. And then, row, raggy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which I, you know, at least you can't execute things directly out of the blob. Right. So that, that removes a little bit of, of risk there, but either way, the whole thing was opened wide and there was so much data in there. Like Daniel mentioned, there were two entire laptop backups that were in there. <laughs> Uh, a lot Which of contained like secrets and keys and passwords and all sorts as, of stuff. As they like, would, oh, yeah. just it was a 
It was a lovely little gift to any hacker. <laughs> yep. So pretty pretty significant. Now, on a, on a positive, yep. Microsoft has said, we've dug through all of our logs, all of our audit records, and so on, and no one aside from the security researcher accessed this other data. Yeah, this so, is all through uh, responsible disclosure that they discovered this. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then they, they closed off access to it. They fixed the permissions and then verified nobody else had access. One might mm. even um, be as bold to say is that this was a security win, right? Because- there, there's never going to be a perfect security. We're always going to make mistakes, right? But what we want to do is find those mistakes before the hackers do and then do things about them so that we can, oh, that was a problem. And now we've learned a little bit more about our system. We can build a more robust security system, which I do believe they have implemented new security features yeah. because of this uh, responsible disclosure. Yeah, and, you know, when it's something like a zero day, yeah, right, and, and it was oh, yeah. responsibly That's just, disclosed, just a tire fire, and and but you have to ask, like, all right, well, the researcher found it, but what's to say adversaries hadn't found it years before? That's true, right? Because That's they're true. not going to disclose it, right? And just because they didn't find any log evidence that they had been breached due to this, doesn't yeah. mean it hasn't happened. But in this case, it's not like a zero day. It's just right. permissions were configured poorly, mm -hmm. yep. and it exposed access to a lot of stuff. So. Uh, when Microsoft says they're implementing fixes on this, most of it's actually not like software controls. It's policy controls right. around and that. And, and Amazon went through the same thing where they said, hey, for now on, we should stop buckets. making them yeah. wide open to the world. By default. <laughs> By default. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe because I've I've noticed this trend on where people don't actually go back and set more secure permissions. It's odd. that's weird. It's odd. Once they see things are working, that's good enough, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of their litmus test on whether or not it's good. <laughs> yeah. So while this one, you know, we could describe as a security win, it is still extremely embarrassing because mm. uh, the AI researcher is somebody who is very knowledgeable. This isn't like yeah. Tom, the mail clerk, right? So we would expect this to be a person who's very knowledgeable uh, and leaking out an, just a, a treasure trove of data, potentially. We'll call it a out. tie. We'll call it a tie. tie. Right. Yeah. It yeah, nets yeah out. You had a big problem there. It's a little, little yolk on your face there, but you, you quickly wiped it off and mm -hmm. you don't look too bad. So, and like you said, they made changes. It sounds like they're expanding their uh, secret scanning service to, to mm -hmm. scan for more things so that they can kind of catch stuff like this in the future. And then I guess they also found a bug in their scanning system, so they, they were able to rectify that as well. So good yeah. good on them. And Tom, the mail clerk, if you're watching, I think you're smart, <laughs> I think you're kind, and I think you're important. And I just want to put that out there. You're good enough, you're, you're smart, smart enough. enough. Gosh darn it, people like you. There you go. That's, that one I don't know. That it's is SNL. Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley. Huh. Okay, maybe I'll add that to the list. That's maybe. SNL. I maybe I'll add. Okay, so Al it's only Franken, a few minutes. Yeah. Senator okay. Al Franken. Senator Al Franken. Huh. All right. See, I'm before my time. That's so when we start <laughs> electing our. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. We'll, yeah. we'll go we ahead. just like celebrity politicians. We'll we'll pivot. We'll pivot because I can tell this is a this is a <laughs> go off the rails. It's just funny to me. Like, just don't bring up Sonic. Right? Sony <laughs> I, I loved. I love the. Uh, the scene in Back to the Future where, well, who's the president in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, the actor? <laughs> who's the, I suppose the first one is Jane Wyman. <laughs> Jerry Lewis, the secretary, whatever. You know, it's like, he's going up. He's like, that's not far from true there, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize this was a this was a sensitive topic. It's just for funny. It's, just, it's not sensitive. It's I'm just, just waiting for President Camacho. Uh, dude, I cannot wait until. I mean, technically, a WWE superstar has been hey. president because 
Donald Trump is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Oh, he is? Yes. I did not know that. Yes, he is. Today I learned. Yes, you no, I'm Technado. I learned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, I mean, you could say Comancho has been president at this yeah. point in some weird way. I but think I want I want Terry Crews. Terry Crews, yes. In full Comancho <laughs> to win the presidency. I will vote for you, Terry. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because we know Terry's watching. So yeah, we, yeah. he's got the message Anybody now. Anybody has got a, uh, you know Terry's ear, let him know. <laughs> Daniel's got his back. Thank God. You're going to make all the difference. You're going to tip the scales in his favor. <laughs> so like I said, we do actually have a, we've got a double dough today. I don't know that we need to run the, the intro again unless you'd like to, to hear that lovely little song. But I am going to try my hand again at doing the noise. Um, so we'll go ahead and just try this again. Don't! Do re mi fa so la ti do so do. Improvement, significant improvement. Awesome. Well, I say significant. I inserted that myself. Anyway, okay. So this is uh, this is do part two. Comes to us from the register. Square blames last week's outage on DNS screw up. So I I did not realize that this was going on until after it had already been resolved because I hadn't been in any local coffee shops uh, that week. Yeah. But they do use that that square payment. I wasn't system. buying from a street, you know, one of those like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, lunch trucks or whatever they are. I didn't buy any yeah. graphic tees that week, yeah, so I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't have the opportunity to use that payment system. But if you're not familiar with it, it's you go into a store and they've got that little iPad looking thing set up, and they spin it around, and you choose a tip and you sign. That's what we're talking about. There was a, an outage that impacted quite a few businesses, and it has since been resolved. But what are what exactly was it that went wrong? It was an, a DNS screw up. What does that mean? All right, so you know, I I keep an eye out for some of these companies because, and I'll give you a great example: is PayPal. I am shocked and amazed that PayPal has been in business for over 20 years and not had a breach. It's just amazing to me that they they created what is modern online payment systems. They did. Right? And this is where Cor- Elon, Musk Elon Musk got his Elon Musk, right? That's how he got famous and rich. Yep. Yeah. And so to have been on the cutting edge of it in the very beginning, seems like you'd be the one to make mistakes. Seems like somewhere along the line, so you had you had nobody to base your model off of. You were inventing things from scratch. At some point, there's got to be a breach, right? And yet somehow, they've made it this far without it. And hopefully, I'm not jinxing them. And tomorrow they get breached or whatever. <laughs> but to me, organizations that do financial processing, that seems like it would be target number one for an attacker. Here's real money that we can get and mess with, not like fake Bitcoin or whatever. This is like real dollars that we can access. So Square, Fake money like Bitcoin. Yeah. So Square is uh, a a payment processor. If you're going to open up a small business, sometimes it's difficult to get on with a an actual payment processor. And so Square acts like a middleman for that, and and they have hardware for doing credit card scanning. So it's a super convenient way to do a point of sale system. So they're all over the place, and it's real dollars. So I, I keep an eye out for this because they're another one that would be a high target, especially with so many unsecured endpoints across the world for their customers. Well, they had an outage. And when I first heard about it, my immediate thought was, whoop, here it is. Let's keep an eye on this one. So I've been watching, and the details, they finally released the Mm -hmm. the details. They had their uh, root cause analysis that was released. And uh, this one turned out to be an honest mistake. That Just a misconfiguration? Yeah, misconfiguration. They were rolling out some new functionality. They were doing a deployment. They were moving some database servers. And as a part of that, they updated some DNS zones. They checked everybody's PayPal accounts, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that no one got a large deposit before well, the, you know, quote unquote, misconfiguration occurred. <laughs> well, now here's here's the screw up. And I, I could I could totally see this happening. And I can I can just tell they had to have a sinking feeling in their gut when uh. it happened. When they messed up the DNS zone, 
they couldn't look up server names anymore. And then they couldn't access their servers. Ruh, ruh. And they couldn't access the DNS servers to fix them. Because that seems like a problem. They had a high reliance on name lookups. And if you think about like IPv6, we don't memorize IP addresses anymore. We don't even catalog them anymore because who cares what the address is? It's in DNS. We just need to know the name of the server when we connect to it. It's always DNS. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all right. So I'm not the biggest fan of the register where this, this yeah. article came from. But at the very end of the article, they mention a haiku. And the haiku is, it's not DNS. There's no way it's DNS. It was DNS. It was DNS. It's always DNS. <laughs> Isn't that a meme? Isn't it? it's, it's always DNS. Isn't so that a meme? I used to say, uh, if you have active directory problems, it's always DNS. Oh, and th yeah. that was just true for a long time, likely still true today. Um, but especially in the early days of active directory, DNS was so critical. But in this case, they <laughs> learned a lesson. Days since it was DNS. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so in this case, though, it really highlighted a problem with their infrastructure, that they were so dependent on name lookups functioning that they didn't plan for a name lookup failure. I'm sorry. There's another one that says the prophecy, it shall be DNS Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have since done some re-architecting. They've made it where they have out-of-band management that's not dependent on DNS. Great. Their DNS servers are now isolated, so product rollouts and deployments don't impact their DNS servers. And uh, just in general, they've made some improvements there. So they brought it back online. It is still considered a security incident. That, that is a, a good point to make there, Don, because if they didn't have any kind of attack, how do we label this security? All right. Remember the CIA triad? Yes. Right? Uh, and I'm not talking about the... <laughs> Confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Well, that, that is what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm oh. not talking about the CIA. Yes. Uh, the the Central Intelligence, Intelligence Agency. Agency. There we go. Yeah. not talking about them. We're talking about Wait, confidentiality. Wait, this was a CIA attack? state-sponsored? <laughs> <laughs> confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Those are the three things that security provides. And we always think about CNI, right? Confidentiality. We don't want unauthorized people to get access to our data. And we think about integrity. We don't want unauthorized people to tamper with our data. Hmm. But then there's availability. We need to keep the systems online. We do. And in this case, they did not. This was an availability issue, and that's why it's a security incident. So interesting. I actually had this conversation with Wes the other day. We were talking about, is availability, so if something goes down, is that necessarily under CIA? Because CIA, when we think of CIA, at least when I do, and maybe, maybe I'm way off on this. I could be completely wrong. But my idea is, is that CIA is specifically security-focused, like right? That when we talk about confidentiality, we mean the breach of confidentiality. When we talk about availability or uh, integrity is that, you know, things are coming from an unknown source or, or spoofing and that kind of stuff. The, the integrity of it is different. Something's been changed. Either the source or the data itself has been changed through an attack. And availability is also, again, security means attack. And then there's risk. Which is different, and at least again, this is sure. this is in the interworkings of Daniel's mind. So I I I love that we get to bring this up because I want to I want to question you on this, Don, and what you think is if it wasn't an attack, is it just under the rubric of risk and not necessarily under security and risk? Because a meteor could hit mm -hmm. <laughs> right the building and it goes down, but that's not a security failure, right? That's just sure. risk. So uh, I actually go through this with our, our day job yeah. uh, because we are ISO 27001 certified, yes, right? Are. Which is an IT security... Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
as part of our ISMS, our information security management system, the yeah. ISMS, uh, according to our ISMS policy, we define what a security incident is. Hmm. And so we've defined criteria around it. And a downtime like this, according to our policy, is a security incident. And so we on the ISMS committee made that decision. Uh, I mean, really, I made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that will be a security policy. Now, our auditor that comes to audit us for uh, for ISO 27001, right. they look at the incident reports that we fill out. And so, like, we had an infrastructure outage, and, and they looked at it, and they said, well, that's not a security incident. And I said, well... According to you, that's not. But right. according to our because you policy, it, as a security it is. Incident. Right. Yep. And you know, so it's if, subjective. If we were a massive organization with a dedicated SOC, right? You know, a, mm -hmm. a security a operations yep. center. Uh, if we had a CISO who was specifically responsible, then we might split it out. Yeah. But the way it is right now, where there's a lot of shared responsibility for it security, makes sense to put it together. It makes sense to keep it together. So yep. just this is going to be one of those it depends kind of things. Interesting. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. This there's, is fun. There's no law on this, right. right? Not in the U.S. at least, where they tell you this counts as an incident. Like in, in Europe, you have GDPR, and, yeah. and so they do define some of the stuff that counts as an incident. Um, but in the U.S., we don't have that. And so yeah. it really is up to us to define what, do what you, it is. Do you think, just Don Pazette's personal opinion, philosophically, that like an accidental outage is a security incident uh, per se? I, I do. I'm, I'm a okay. hardliner on this one. Interesting. And, and, and what, what makes you think that? So... Let's let's go accidental outage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, an accidental outage, it could be a bad design, right? True. So it's just a bad design. It's not our fault. It could be a, a bad product. Yeah. But a bad design, how did that happen? Did we not use the right people to come up with that design? Did we use people who weren't properly skilled or trained mm -hmm. to do that design? Or, you know, let's take this DNS stuff. Did somebody have privilege to change something that they shouldn't have had privilege to change? Gotcha. Right? Was there supposed to be a change management ticket and they didn't do that and it was an unauthorized change? So contextually, it could be because if yep. a meteor hits, that's obviously not. Right. 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 And, you know, a hurricane comes through and blows our building away. Yep. You know, that's not a security incident. That's a did they God getting mad. <laughs> maybe they were they were supposed to test the change in staging and didn't and went straight to production. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe. Maybe there's a misconfiguration that allows them to authorize their own change. I see that in GitHub sometimes. Yeah. And and so that like, is a security problem, yes. It is. And it, it's so on the edge yeah. that I'm just like, screw it, put it in security. Oh. And that way we're covered. You're better safe than sorry. I feel like this has been a very fruitful conversation, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah. Re really quick before we move on to to our next article, um, you had mentioned at the beginning of this when we were talking about this this outage how PayPal's never had a breach and it impressed you because it's like they've been around for so long and they kind of mm -hmm. started this whole thing. I looked it up. They did have a breach at the end of 2022. It was um, a bunch of customer information, I guess, was exposed and credentials. So they had one breach, but still in what you said, 20 years. Yeah, that's one not a bad breach, track record. That yeah. it sounds like they resolved, I think I think maybe they're, they were all in some kind of lawsuit regarging it, like the way they handled it. But the, they they mail it. spiders to people. <laughs> yes. God. Yeah, we need a repeat of that. Yeah, who, so anyway. What was it they sent like? Like oh, horrible, yeah. horrible things. Horrible things. Yeah. Anyway. But that uh, is, that's, that's very impressive, though, for, to, for them yeah. to be around that long with I no. Mean, rewind to 2004, uh, which might be before you were born. Uh, <laughs> it's Legal not. Legal adult. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, rewind to 2004, where the internet was still young. The dot-com boom had died at that point. A lot of companies went out of business. But... If you were an online credit card processor in 2004, that was that was the Wild West. And may, maybe they just didn't report their breaches. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's impressive. It yeah. wasn't, wasn't, 
It was different times. Different, different times. <laughs> Sophia, what year were Back you in born? Back in my day. No, uh, don't say that on the air. No. I don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> See, I, think I don't know about that. Also, you, you know how it. old I am. You can do the math. You know, speaking I don't of... 20-something. <laughs> speaking of accidentally giving out information, that's a good segue to our next article. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Don, See, it was ready. all planned, ladies and gentlemen. Don is ready to move on. <laughs> so this next article uh, is part of another favorite segment here on Technado called Who Got Pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! The director had that one in the chamber. That was like right away. <laughs> so, so this comes to us from Engadget. It says, hackers claim it only took a 10-minute phone call to shut down MGM resorts. And I know on last, week, last week's episode, I know at least on YouTube, we got comments about, you guys got to talk about the MGM breach. And I think it happened like right as we published last week's episode. So we are talking about it. Uh, and new information has come out that it was really just, uh, it was this ransomware group that they were phenomenally talented at social engineering. And it took them, it sounds like... It, supposedly, all of 10 minutes on a phone call with help desk to, to carry this out. Yeah, now, uh, full disclosure, we're going to use some unverified information. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Supposedly, allegedly. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's why I'd be at work today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, this is a lot of unconfirmed information, right? Hackers don't go out of their way to prove they did what they did. And yeah. so we have a hacking group that is claiming responsibility for this and, and that it was very trivial for them to do it. Now, uh, what's going on is MGM, not the old Disney World Park, but the casino in Las Vegas uh, has had their system compromised and ransomware spread throughout their environment. Their IT systems have been down and it has impacted guests and casino revenue. Casinos make a ton of money. They are rumored to be losing $8 million a day during the security incident. Uh, They are not the first casino to be hit in recent times. Caesars Casino was was hit uh, a couple of months ago. Hmm. And... Again, it's very common to go after casinos because of all the money they have, well, right? So here's where we're going to get a little bit unconfirmed. So I'm going yeah, yeah, yeah. to say some things that I don't necessarily have a factual basis on. So I want to be clear about that. Yeah. But uh, it Asterix. is <laughs> heavily rumored in the security community that Caesars Casino paid the ransom, uh, hmm. that they paid $15 million to get their systems back. Nice. And that sends a message. That yeah. sends a message to attackers that, hey, these casinos are willing to pay that kind of money and they've got that kind of money and and they're ready to do it. And so I would not be surprised to see more casinos start to fall in the next couple of months because once you've, once you've flown yeah. that flag and said, I'm willing to pay a ransom, you're now a target. Yeah, yeah. And I do find it interesting that they are holding out if they're losing $8 million a day. I mean, what did they say what the ransom was? I didn't see any number on exactly what the ransom that they were looking for I don't believe they've disclosed right. that. Yeah. So let's say it was fifteen million bucks. Two days caps that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if they're if they're just like kind of like what you're saying, Don, where if the if you finally raise the white flag and say, I give, here's your money, then you you make yourself you paint yourself a target. So they're just going, Come at me, bro. Hack away. I'm or keep that data. I'm not paying anything because if I do, then I gotta have to do this again. Yeah. So it's worth it in the short term, in the long term. To just weather the storm, so that mm. you guys you'll leave us alone, knowing we won't pay. Yeah, right. So this is interesting strategy. I would love to be in on <clears throat> that meeting. On are we going to pay? Or are we not going to pay? How are we going to handle this? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's a that's a tough call. Yeah, and uh, you know you you don't like the the U.S. has a policy to to not pay ransoms for for human prisoners, but data prisoners we don't really have like a, a defined thing for. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, and this one gets more complex 
because MGM like and Caesars both uh, were Okta customers. Oh, and Okta is like one of the leading companies, one if, of the leading leaders, <laughs> if not if not the leading company in identity management. Right. right. So you know, handling credentials and authentication and stuff. Uh, we've we've interviewed some of their the security researchers over the years and uh, very talented people. They know more about this stuff than just about anybody. Uh, but there have been several recent attacks where hackers have been able to compromise super admins for an account. Mm. So when you when you open up an account with Okta, the very first account, and usually, you know, there'll probably be two or three of these are, are super admins. They have full access to everything. And then you create all sorts of roles for everything else that falls underneath it, like billing administrator and, and regular users and all that. Well, if the attackers can get access to a super administrator set of credentials, that's the keys to the kingdom. They have everything. And that's happened like five times in the last couple of months with different companies having their super admins compromised. Now, in each case, it hasn't been due to like Okta's underlying technology. It's been due to social engineering. Uh. And what this hacking group, Alpha V or however we want to say it, right. uh, what they're claiming is all they had to do was go on LinkedIn. I'm just thinking of a furry alien from Melmac. <laughs> oh, Alpha. <man. laughs> yeah. Just keep your cat safe. Yeah. Uh, that... Uh, all they had to do was go on LinkedIn, learn about an MGM employee, and then call the MGM help desk and basically get them to walk through resetting. And and, and they had multi-factor authentication. So whatever happened in this 10-minute phone call, they convinced the help desk person on the other end to reset all the multi-factor keys and to reset the password. And somehow the attackers were able to get in and access that account. And then the rest is history. So... Yeah. Pretty, pretty scary stuff. You know, we say it's always DNS, but it's, it's always also the help desk. Uh, well, <laughs> social engineering, right? So I was talking to Ben Fink one time, uh, a friend of ours from OnDefend. Mm -hmm. he, he's one of the uh, co-founders of OnDefend. Yeah, field pen tester. Yeah. yeah, super smart guy, right? And we, I was talking about what he normally sees and what gets on the table as far as the contracts go, statement of works, all the all the really fun stuff you get to do when you engage with somebody as their pen testing firm. And I was talking to him about social engineering and he goes, it's almost always taken off the table. They say, nope, you, you can't do a social engineering attack. Because they know it'll succeed? He goes, because they know we win every time if we do a social <laughs> engineering Like every time SE wins. It's just, a you know, mm. the water's wet, the sky is blue, social engineering attacks work every time. It's just how it goes. So I'm not super surprised to see that, yes, these monolithic, you know, big system you know, with tons of money backing their security, still getting breached due to social engineering, especially if the hacking group <laughs> stocking trade is being really adept at social engineering and just takes that one billion in your group to be like, okay, I will do this thing that you have asked because you said it so nicely. Let me just, just now you're in. Okay, everything's good. Yeah. Okay, you're, you're welcome. I'm glad to be helpful. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you're helpful, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, I was really hoping you were going to do a rhyme there, like water is wet, the sky is blue, help desk has your password, and the hackers do too. Uh, there <laughs> well, was something you leave it done. in your field. Obviously, yeah. you're the poet here. <laughs> got a haiku. We got some free verse. This yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> it's a very artful I want some episode. Iambic pentameter for the next one. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> no you know sonnets. Your limits. Yeah, yeah. But if Shakespeare, on, Shakespeare can do it, yeah. we can do it. No, because it's a short. I mean, that that gets you so close as a short progression. To a musical number, That's and we're right. not going to do it. I thought you were going to do, like, <laughs> slam poetry. <laughs> yeah. 
Spoken yeah. word. Yeah. Spoken word. Yeah. Hey, can we smoke in this building? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> now, what is interesting to me though is like you've got a beret back there. You can wear yeah, it. That's <laughs> true. That's true. But casinos have historically maybe they're not so much anymore. And I want to besmirch any of the good names of the casinos <laughs> out there that make their money in gambling. But they've uh, long been known that they have some connections with mafiosos. Mm-hmm. You would think that mafia would have their own hacking groups. Be like, they they, they did what now? Okay, get them. You're right. Like yeah, they there will be hacking back, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't, are, are the casinos still owned privately like that? I thought they were private equity know, held now. Maybe they are. Well, it was like a whole different kind of. <laughs> yeah, right. They got money and influence. <laughs> so I think they'd be afraid to go after these people and stealing their money. <laughs> like the electronic equivalent of like in Goodfellas when they go to Maury's and they've got this head in the oven. That's <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the equivalent. That's what but I'm talking virtual. about here. Oh, Maury. That's right. I wonder if that's a thing. Interesting. Right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. I won't do it now because we'll be here forever. But I'm going to look into that. You've you've I love this kind of stuff. So you've put that on my radar now. Yeah. Thank you for that. But this, yeah, this is a like you were talking about at the end of the day, social engineering usually succeeds. It kind of seems like, and I feel like as long as there's that human element, we're only human. Mm. The flesh and blood, and, and we are the weakest you know, link every time. Born to make time. mistakes, or yeah. however the song goes. And what's kind of funny <laughs> is the system's kind of typically built it, it's really let me put it this way it's difficult to patch this mm. and get people because you know I, I worked as a cashier once when i was very young and this lady brings in a receipt for something and i look and it says it's not bought at this store i'm like well you didn't buy it here she's like it doesn't matter it's the same store i'm like yeah we're we're like a franchise, but that's not our store. You bought this there. You need to return it there. Nope. You're going to return it here. Right. I said, I'm, I'm not doing it. Right. My, my employee handbook told me, do not do this. She's, I want to see your manager. Manager came up, didn't even bother to like, <laughs> just chuck me under the bus. Like, no, I'll, I'll refund you right now. Two days later, they're like, they got people running around stores doing refunds. And it's, Fake receipts. And, and I'm yep. like, I told you this. And it says that we're not supposed to be doing this anyway. And now we have to have a memo that tells us not to do what our handbook tells us not to do. And you make yeah. me the bad guy? Oh, man, whatever. <laughs> you were so, born to be in cybersecurity, right? Daniel. But most people just want to be, uh, no, just help them. Just yeah. help them. Right? It's not a big deal. Just help them. You, you do have to find a balance between... Yeah. Security and functionality, yeah. right? Like, because the functionality, the, yes. Because we could all make our <clears> computers <throat> super secure if we just turned them off. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a great way to go. Actually, just turn so, them off. Go grow a farm go, or go something. Ted yeah. Kaczynski style. <laughs> and get you a little shoot off the airplane shack and thirty thousand feet. <laughs> <laughs> how, is that, how is that the second time at minimum that that's come up in here? Because he was this big like anti technophile. Like, yeah. like he was okay, a luddite. Yeah. Just, but specifically, you're talking about the planes and stuff. It's All just, right. so, I vividly it's remember. Funny. Yes. You could join an Amish community. There, you go. there we go. A little go. Yeah. less okay. terrorist. And shoot planes. <laughs> <laughs> Jedediah, get my gun. Do Amish use guns? I suppose they would, right? That's not, does that count as technology? Oh, no, they wouldn't use them for like hunting? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess. I yes, know. the Maybe Amish hunt with guns. They it's hunt usually with guns. the only reason but they, they possess firearms. But they would not defend themselves with guns. All right. Provides meat for their families. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. 
Okay. Well, we, yeah, we're definitely <laughs> off <laughs> off the track here. End of the day, uh, yeah, social engineering bad. So that's that's yeah. the moral that I got from this article. <laughs> I do I do want to remind y'all that uh, once again, Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. So if you're watching from the website, you can click on that big orange button that says sponsored by and go take you to the IT Pro website. You can uh, watch our videos there. That's our day job. We love what we do. And if you want to support the podcast, check those out. Use that code Technator30 for a discount on your membership. Also, really quick, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I want to insert this because we're getting really close to Wild West Hacking Fest. And Ooh. I just, I want to talk about it now before I forget. So we were like maybe a month out, not even by the time this episode comes out. And I'm very much looking forward to it. I was hoping that maybe you could speak on it a little bit because I know usually I talk about it and you've actually been before. So what do you want to know? Well, I don't know. Just what are you looking forward to? Uh, everything about it is awesome. <laughs> talks, right? The talks are great. Those, this basically the high, that if, the one two punch of Wild West Hacking Fest are phenomenal talks by great speakers, as well as the ability to get in a room and engage with your fellow security professionals, right? Because there's, there's a lot of tribal knowledge that's difficult to pass on in a course or, you know, in a YouTube video or, or something like this in a podcast format where when you sit down with someone, you start having a conversation about what they do and it's very niche to what they work on because of the field that they're in, but they're still applying cybersecurity to that. And then you see how that can apply and you go, oh, maybe I can apply it that way in my, and you start to grow your your horizons when it comes to how can I apply cybersecurity? How does this fit? How does this work? You gain a lot of context. And all of a sudden, all those theories and concepts that you pick up, maybe if you're watching us on IT Pro for AC from ACI Learning, you're watching mm -hmm. Security Plus or you're watching CISA Plus or Pentest Plus or CEH or whatever other security course that we have available. And it's like, cool, those are great concepts. But I don't really, I don't really get it. Yeah. When you get in a room with someone who applies that concept every day, now you got context wrapped around it. And all of a sudden it makes it more real. It makes it more, oh, I, I see how that works. And now I can more, uh, I, can, I can better apply that in my day-to-day yeah. -day life. So that's the real value add to going to something like Wild West Hack Invest. And Wild West Hack Invest for me has always been the best at that. Just bar, hands down, bar none. It's, and it's a great time. A lot of great people. You get to go, if, if, if you're into celebrity hackers, if that's a thing, <laughs> a lot of them are going to be there. And they don't care. You just walk right up and say, hey, I love your stuff. And they're happy to talk with you. So definitely worthwhile. And that ticket price is something I think is definitely worth its weight. I've never heard you talk about Wild West Hack Invest and not be giddy. So yeah. it makes me excited to, to go and experience it. So just wanted wanted to have an opportunity to hear you talk about it since you've actually been before. Daniel and also Ronnie Wong will be there again this year alongside myself. It'll be my first year there. It's the week of October 16th. So if you're going to be there, come find us and say hi. Uh, but we are getting close. So I wanted to, to mention that as well. And then also, of course, if you are watching from YouTube, like I said, feel free to comment below. Let us know what you liked about this episode, what you want to see more of, and maybe even subscribe to the channel. And uh, I think there's a bell you can hit for like notifications and stuff. You can tell I'm a YouTuber. You can tell I'm familiar <laughs> with the. So you can hit that bell if you want to get notified when IT Pro publishes new content there. Uh, you can also check out our uh, webinars and our live on social events on our YouTube channel. I believe we've got one this week that has to do with AI. So that's always a hot topic. Should be pretty fun to watch. And then, of course, we know that we've got a lot of people that listen on uh, podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. And I believe you're able to turn on notifications there as well <laughs> if you like the show. If you found us and you're like, hey, this is pretty cool stuff, feel free to, to turn that on as well to get notified when we go, uh, when we go, not public when we yeah. publish new episodes when we go when we public go, it's an ipo <laughs> <laughs> yes when we go public you can i'm just the brain's turned on today yep, yeah so, so i think that is going to do it for me unless i'm forgetting anything 
Absolutely, you're forgetting something. I'm so. probably. That's, again, brain's turned off. But again, wherever you're watching or listening from, we want to thank you for tuning in to TechNATO, and we hope to see you next week.